0: you'll take your bibles and turn to psalm 139 <clears throat> psalm 139 now we've been working through this series called lies the enemy tells us and uh, we've done that for a few weeks now and so for the next couple of weeks i want us to talk about lies that we tell ourselves um, these are very similar the topics are connected they're very closely related because here's the issue if you if you're not careful If you start believing the lies that the enemy is telling you, then that goes hand in hand with believing the lies from your own deceitful, wicked heart. And before you get mad at me for calling your heart deceitful and wicked, I didn't call it that. God did in Jeremiah 17.9. Now, it's interesting to me the way God works things out. We just sang a song about the sovereignty of God. And this passage we're going to read this morning, although we're not going to break this passage down uh, as I am really kind of more comfortable doing, we're going to read this passage so that we understand the God that we're speaking of and remind us of who this God is, so hopefully that will help us where we, we remember the God that we serve, we remember the God that created us and called us, saved us, transformed us, and we don't listen to these lies from the enemy or these lies that we would tell ourselves. So I know that you just got through sitting, uh, standing up for a while, and you just sat down But I want to read this passage. I want you to stand with me. We're going to read Psalm 139, most of it. And then I want to talk to you about three lies that we typically tell ourselves. Psalm 139 says, Lord, you you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. Lord, You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty, and I'm unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, or the place of the dead, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely darkness will hide me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are a light to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and before a single one of them began. God, how precious are your thoughts to me. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. Now skip down to verse 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me, lead me in the everlasting way. I pray that we would all ask God to do that for us today. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day and this time in your word and with your people. I pray that you would be exalted. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be lifted up above everything else in our lives so we could see you clearly and worship you fully. Holy Spirit, move in this place and have your way. And Father God, be glorified as you are worthy of, and we'll pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So here's the first lie that we tell ourselves, and if we're careful, we'll find ourselves believing it. God doesn't remember. God doesn't remember. I'm sure a lot of times many of us, if not not all of us, have felt like maybe God had forgotten that we even exist. I can remember times in my life when I was really seeking the Lord on a subject or trying to figure out where God was leading me to, uh, to go in my life and decisions that I was trying to make, big decisions, and I would pray and it would seem as if the windows of heaven were shut. And I would pray, and I would pray, and I would pray, and it would seem like my prayers were ineffective. And, and I would get frustrated. Why? Because I'm a doer. I'm a, I'm a checkbox guy. I want to have a list, and I want to check my stuff off my list, and I want to get it done. And, and sometimes that doesn't happen on, on God's timetable. And, and this lie that we tell ourselves that God doesn't remember reveals a lack of trust on our part that God will do what he promised. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you with this this morning. If you hear that lie that you're telling yourself that God doesn't remember You need to rebuke that because that is a sinful thought to even allow to ruminate in your head. Listen to 1 John 3, 19 and 20. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. You see, the problem is when we believe this lie, it pushes us, it drives us into anxiety and fear. And it stresses us out. But the whole time, God wants us to experience his perfect peace. Ephesians 2.14 tells us that that Jesus himself is our peace. And Psalm 103, verse 14 tells us that God knows what we're made of. He remembers that we are dust. Now, see, I I would present to you that maybe your problem is not that you think God has forgotten you, but you don't want to remember that you're dust. You don't want to remember that God formed you from the earth. He formed you from the dust of the ground. He breathed life into you. He knit you together in your mother's womb, as this passage we read tells us. And so rather than think that God has has, uh, not exalted us to the level that we're at, we assume that God has forgotten us, and that's just not the case. I can assure you this. We just sang about sovereign over us. The sovereign God of the universe does not have a memory problem now we we know people in our society that do we 've most of us have dealt with loved ones who have uh, suffered with dementia, or alzheimer's, something like that, and we know that there, there's times when the memory fades and and i 'll be honest with you, the, the older I get the the more i 'm starting to see some of those signs of my memory' is not what it used to be god doesn 't have that problem. God is not limited by flesh as we are God is not uh affected by sin the way we are. And so he does not have a memory problem. Listen to Isaiah 40, verse 26. He brings out the stars by number. He calls all of them by name. Because of his great power and strength, not one of them is missing. Can I just remind you of something this morning? If God can remember all of the stars by name, he surely has not forgotten you or me. Look at the comparison that God draws through the prophet Isaiah as he points to the hands of Jesus on Calvary. In Isaiah forty-nine fifteen and 16, we read this. Can, can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? Even if these forget, yet I will not forget you. Look, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Now, I'm not going to get into the biology of this, but women will understand, if, if women here, if you have been a nursing mother, it is impossible for you to forget that you have a baby to nurse. Now, one is a physiological thing that happens, and, and again, I'm not going to get into the details of that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You you know. <laughs> You're going, okay, it's, it's time. I, I need to, I need to feed. And if you don't do that, let me promise you something. That baby will remember. That little baby will remember, when that baby gets hungry, that baby's going to remind you that you are a nursing mother. And that baby's not going to let you put, pop, push pause or tell the baby, just chill out for a minute, I'm watching my stories. You, you, it won't happen. You will not be able to forget that you are a nursing mother. The baby will remind you when the baby gets hungry. And can I just remind you, this church, just as our Heavenly Father in heaven uh, is ever interceding we, we know that Jesus is our intercessor he's seated at the right hand of the father he's making intercession for us when we have needs we should be just like that infant baby we should cry out to to our father and when we cry out to him he is always there he's always mindful some of you have been going through some dark days can I just remind you that God has not forgotten you Can I just remind you that God is there and available? And sometimes you don't call on him because you don't want to bother him or because you don't think he's able, but he is. And he wants to help you. Think about what he said there in part of that passage. Look, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands, just as Jesus directed Thomas in John 20, 27. Remember what he said? He tells Thomas, he says, Thomas, look at my hands. Can I just tell you this morning that the nails that pierced his hands and put him on that cross were basically tattooing or inscribing your name on those palms. He's called you from death to life. He's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He's called you sons and daughters of the Most High God. He has inscribed your name on his very hands. God doesn't remember, that's a lie. Number two, God doesn't relate. I think most of us, if not all of us, have thought something out loud or maybe even said it out loud like this. God just doesn't understand what I'm going through. God just can't relate to my situation. I mean, after all, it's 2022. God doesn't understand COVID. God doesn't understand loss or hurt. God doesn't understand suffering or pain. God doesn't understand brokenness and and disconnection. Remember the first two verses we read, Psalm 139, verses 1 and 2. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. God is far away in one sense because he is eternal, but he is very near in another sense because he is ever-present. He has not forgotten you, and he can relate to you. He understands what you're going through. He understands because he created you. He formed you. One of the most beautiful things about God coming in the form of man is the fact that he can now perfectly relate to our issues. Listen to Isaiah 53.3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised, and we didn't value him. And, of course, this is Isaiah prophesying about the coming Messiah. Anybody here ever felt despised, rejected? Anybody here ever suffered? Anybody here been sick? Anybody here been felt like somebody who was turned away from or despised? That's how Jesus felt. He knows. He understands. And and not only that, but listen to what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been, listen, tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin you think you've been through something that Jesus hasn't been through listen to me I'm saying this with love get over yourself you think you are some place that Jesus can't relate to get over yourself Do you think you're going through something that Jesus can't understand? You think you're going through something harder than what the Son of God, the Son of Man went through when He took flesh and lived on this dirty rock? You're mistaken. Not only can God relate, but He can perfectly relate because He walked just as we walk, yet without sin. That's why He's ever interceding. That's why He is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's why... He is the one who we should draw our strength from to reject temptation, to walk worthy of the calling that we've received. Not only does God relate, but he's also relational. Listen to Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive, listen, adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You've heard me say this before. Most of you have probably heard this taught before. Abba is the word that's like daddy in Aramaic. It's it's a familial term. It's a comfortable term. It's a relational term. And then father is a... Hierarchical term. It's a, it's an order of, of importance and, and credibility. God is our Father. I am Tyler and Laney's Father. That means I set the rules. I tell them what, what's up and what's what, where to go and when to come and what time you got to be here and what chores you need to do. I am their Father. But I'm also their Daddy. I have a relationship with them. I love them. I have compassion for them. I want to see them succeed. I want to see them happy and healthy. They're, both of those things live in me. I am Abba and I am Father. And that's what God is for us. He's not just some distant God that sets rules and and dictates how we're supposed to live. He is also a relational God who wants us to crawl up into his lap and tell him what is bothering us when we're hurting. You're no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. Think about that for a minute. Jesus Christ, Jesus in the... God the Son in the form of man came to earth and he lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial death. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and he rose from the grave. And we are co-heirs with him. We are sons and daughters of God. You don't think he relates? We've been brought in close to the Father, brought into the family of God by the blood of Jesus. Y'all know there's one requirement that it takes to get to heaven, and that's perfection. One requirement for getting to heaven, and that is perfection. And if you could be perfect on your own, you wouldn't need the the blood of Jesus, but you can't. And so in our imperfection, we cry out, Abba, Father. We admit we're a sinner, and we ask God to save us, and he does. And by saving us, he covers us with the blood of his perfect son, making us perfect in his sight. So we could stand before a holy God. You don't think he relates? Oh, he perfectly relates. The third lie we tell ourselves is simply this, God doesn't remain. This lie often takes the form of a question, something like this. uh, Where are you, God? God, why have you left me? You ever asked that question? You ever pondered that? Maybe, Maybe just in a dark moment in your life. Maybe you didn't ask it out loud, but you just thought it. Man, why has God left me? Why has he forsaken me? I've heard it said this way many times. If you feel distant from God, who do you think moved? See, God's been established in his place since before time began. If you feel distant from God, there's sin in your life. If you feel distant from God, there's a brokenness in your relationship with him that you caused. You see, we are flip-floppers. We are emotion-driven. As much as I hate it, as much as I try not to be, I'm driven by emotion. We all are. And so sometimes our emotions will drive us away from God. It will drive us into ourself. It will drive us into our pity, into our brokenness, into our hurt, into our shell. And we, we run from God in those moments, whether we realize it or not. Here's the funny thing. We run from God and then we look at God and say, where are you? (laughs) Why have you left me? Why why, why are you so far away from me, God? Yeah, I know I've got sin in my life. I know that I've I've, I've coveted this sin more than I've coveted a relationship with you. I know that I'm, I'm fostering and nurturing my hurt more than I'm being willing to give it to you and let you take care of it. But why have you moved? Why have you left me? And God is still in his place, still on his throne. He's looking at us going, why have I moved? I haven't moved. When Jesus was wrapping up his earthly ministry and was about to leave the disciples and us, by the way, with marching orders for our time remaining, he didn't check out. He didn't bail on them. He didn't, he didn't just go, well, good luck. He didn't, he didn't tell them, you guys are going to make a mess of this, but do what you can. It's not my problem anymore. I've done my job. I came to earth and lived a sinless life and died on the cross and I rose from the grave and now I'm going to go back and see, be seated at the right hand of the Father. And you guys just got to figure this out on your own. That's not what he said. Listen to what he said. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Notice first the very beginning of this statement. Jesus came near and said to them. Mr. Benny, he still comes near, doesn't he? Can anybody else testify to that this morning? That he comes near. The Bible says he's near to the brokenhearted. You see, when he was going to give them their final orders before he left, he said, I'm going to get you close to me so you can hear me. I want you to come in close. I want you to really circle in. Let's get in here where we can all get get together. And here's what he said. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, here it is, underline this in your minds, I am with you always to the end of, Of the age. Always. What did he say? I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Only God could come near, give us directions, and promise to be with us when we carried out those directions. Can I just tell you? I'm sure some of you are like me. Um, I'm willing to bet Jason's like this. If I tell my kids to do something, I don't I don't want to have to go stand in there and watch them do it. Is that good? I, I don't want to have to. Any other, any other dads in here like that? Hey, go clean your room, and then I have to spend, and instead of watching the game or instead of uh, doing whatever I need to be doing, I have to stand in the room and watch them. Would anybody in here put up with that? No, if I've got to come watch you do it, I'd rather just whip you and make you do it yourself. Or I'd rather just do it myself and not let you have a part of it at all. But here's how God works. (laughs) I'm glad God doesn't work like I do. Amen? And y'all ought to be too. Here's how God works. Here's your job. Go do that job, and I'm going to be with you every single step of every way. When he sent us to go and make disciples, he didn't just send us and then go sit back in his recliner and, and kick back and start watching something on television. He didn't just go down to the, the, the pond of heaven and start fishing while he left us to be on our own. No, he came near, <laughs> he gave power and authority and instruction, and then he joined us in the mission. And yet you would tell yourself that God doesn't remain. You would tell yourself that God is not still here. Psalm 120, verse 1, in my distress, I called to the Lord. Now, Listen, if that's all it said, that would be a good statement. In my distress, I called to the Lord. That's a, good, that's, a good, that's a good pattern. If you're in distress, I would encourage you to call to the Lord. But that's not where the psalmist leaves that. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. You see, we believe that God's not around because we forget that God doesn't operate on a clock or a calendar the way we do. Rather than doubting God in these times, we should thank him because what we see at a distance or, e- or what we see as distance or even indifference to us is actually his great patience with mankind being worked out. 2 Peter three nine tells us, the Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, But is patient with you, not wanting any to perish but all to come to repentance. You see, if God operated on your clock, if God operated on my clock, there would be people who missed heaven. Because we get impatient, amen? We get frustrated and aggravated and impatient. and We want to cut people off. We want to just, hey, I'm tired of dealing with this person. They're not moving. They're not changing. I'm trying my best to draw them in. I'm trying my best to disciple them, and they won't do it. They won't listen to instructions. They're not coachable. And we would just, sometimes we would wash our hands of them. Am, Aren't you thankful this morning? I am. I'm thankful that God was not that way with me. He gave me 26 years of spitting in his face, and he still kept calling me. He still kept pursuing me. That's a good God. That's a patient God. Remember some of the things we read about God at the beginning of the sermon about the vastness of God. Think about that. All the vastness of God. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Those are both rhetorical questions. Obviously, the psalmist is saying, I can't. There's nowhere I can go to escape you. There's nowhere I can go where you're not. Why? Because God remains. And yet, he never leaves us. As vast and magnificent as he is, he never leaves us. Deuteronomy thirty-one six, which is echoed or reiterated in Hebrews thirteen five, says this: "Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. I'm talking about our enemies, for the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. He's that friend that sticks closer than a brother." Three lies. God doesn't remember. That's a lie. He knows everything intimately well. Number two, God doesn't relate. That's ridiculous because Jesus came in the form of man, tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. And God doesn't remain. That's just plain silly. God is the only thing that remains. Heaven and earth will pass away, but he will remain. Here's the problem. When we only view God based on our circumstances, he can appear small. Y'all know that, right? Have y'all experienced that? Where you're going through such a dark time, such a deep hurt, such a brokenness, you're, you're looking at things through those lenses, and when you look at things through the lens of your hurt, of your pain, of your brokenness, of your heartache, God can appear small. But when we view our circumstances based on God, the way we're supposed to, our problems seem insignificant. Listen, I have some big problems, but I've got a bigger God. (laughs) You may have some big problems, but you've got a bigger God. Stop looking at God through your problems and start looking at your problems through the lens of God. During times when things aren't going perfectly or the ball of life doesn't seem to be bouncing my way, it's amazing how God will lead me to verses that helped me understand what to do sometimes these are verses that I've memorized and sometimes these are verses that maybe I've let slip my mind and here's one of the latter <laughs> I hate to say that but just through the things that we've gone through over the past two and a half three years and we were talking about that some this week at the retreat we went to it was amazing how many of the messages just really spoke right to us uh, really encouraged us and, and kind of revived us But here's one that I ran across, and it's just a great reminder of our situation when we start listening to those lies that we tell ourselves. 1 Peter 5.10. And I would encourage you, make this a memory verse. If you haven't gotten this one memorized, this one I'm going to start working on. 1 Peter 5.10. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. Let me read it again. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. I had a conversation with somebody this week, and um, it was a gospel conversation. I always try to do that. I know this person's situation. I know his condition and I mentioned something about all that we've gone through with, with everything that's happened over the last three years, and I said something, something like this. All the stuff that we've been through has helped me know God on a different level, on a more intimate level. It's really grown my faith. And he said, and it's, I appreciate his candor, and I think that most people would say something like this. He said, yeah, but I don't understand that. How can, you, how can a God who creates everything let you go through stuff like this? And I said, well, it's a perspective issue. See, we have a problem. We think why do bad things happen to good people? We blame God. But if we understand that the premise is incorrect, we have to understand there are no good people, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God made us in the garden. He gave us one rule, and we broke it. If God was not gracious and merciful and righteous and just, he would have smashed us, wiped us off the face of the earth, and moved along with his day, but he didn't. He is long-suffering, He is faithful, He is steadfast, He is ever the loving Father that we need. So the fact that I am suffering and yet I see God's hand, I am suffering and yet I feel God's love, I am suffering and yet I know God's grace is further evidence that God is real and He loves me and He's there for me and He's worthy of all the glory and honor and praise that I can give Him. It's true that we've been promised struggles and suffering, but we also have been promised perfection with Him in eternity. We just have to make it. We just have to hold on. There's a better day coming, church. There's a better day coming on this side of eternity for some of us, but for all of us, there's a better day coming on the other side of eternity. We've been through a lot of loss over the past three years. We've watched a lot of good, godly saints Leave this world. I guarantee you, if you went and talked to any of them today, they would say it was worth it. Whatever sufferings they had to endure on this side of heaven, they would tell you that it's worth it. Here's a statement. I want you to hear this, and we're going to close with this. God hasn't abandoned you. God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't misunderstood you. God is here for you. Would you stand with me this morning? When we believe the lies that the enemies told us or we believe the lies that we tell ourselves, we diminish God and we distance ourselves from Him. I want you to know this morning that God is a God who is asking you to draw near. Just as Jesus, when he gave the instructions in Matthew 28, he came near the disciples, God desires to come near to you today. If you'll make that one step to him, he'll make every other step it takes to get to you. Maybe you don't know Christ and today's the day you want to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've put your faith in him but you haven't been living for him and you want to rededicate your life. Maybe today is just a day where you say, Brother Kevin, I have been broken by circumstances and situations in my life and I have felt like God had abandoned me and I realized today that he hadn't. Whatever it is that God is doing in your heart this morning, I want you to be instantly obedient. We're doing things a little different at the end here today. We're going to close with a song today. So I'm going to pray, just like always, when I pray and say amen, that's your cue. When I say amen, if you need to come talk to me, you move. I'm going to stand up here for just a minute, then I'm going to go back over there. But you come get me if you need me, if you need to pray. But let's just take time this morning to worship the God who is near. Worship the God who relates. Who recognizes our brokenness and who loves us anyway pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this reminder of the depth and breadth and height and vastness of your grace and your mercy. God, you are sovereign and you are steadfast and you are long-suffering. Don't ever let us forget it. Don't ever let us think for a moment that these lies we tell ourselves about you being distant or or not relating to us or not, not loving us anymore don't ever let us listen to those lies. Let us reject those lies and cling to your truth. Now, God, if there's anybody here today that that needs to make a profession of faith or needs to make a decision for you, I pray you would allow them to be instantly obedient and that you would be glorified in it. Be exalted today, King Jesus, because you're worthy. Move in this place and we'll glorify you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.